Hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Hardcore Leadership Podcast. I am your host, Antar Muhammad, and I am so excited about this episode. I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be informative. I think you're going to be enlightened. Um, and I think you're going to really find it inspiring and motivating. You know, no matter what you're going through, I want you to remember that tough times do not last, but tough people do. But there's a caveat to that. Uh, don't let life harden your heart. Don't let life, um, the circumstances, situations you may be dealing with, you may be facing, you may be um, handed. Don't let those circumstances harden your heart to where you're no longer uh, a forgiving person. You're no longer a nice person. You're no longer a caring person. And I realize that sometimes you may be going through certain things and and certain people may cause you to act a certain way and, and maybe bring out another side of you and maybe even they, they, they change you somewhat because now you uh, are not as trusting in people as maybe you once were or maybe you're not as loving or caring as you once were. But don't allow circumstances and especially don't allow people to change who you are. You are uh, valuable. You are needed. You are necessary. You're a great person. You have to know it. And don't allow anybody else to change you simply because um, of how they may have treated you, maybe um, how they may have dealt with you, maybe something you've heard. No matter what happens, you remain the good person that you are. And let the chips fall where they may for that person who uh, may be mistreated you. And uh, there's a new thing that karma comes around, but in reality... Uh, it's an old scripture um, that says, uh, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. So I want to encourage you to mind your that, because that that you're reaping is going to be that that you sowed. But again, I am excited about today's show, and, and I'm really, I'm so excited about my guest today. My guest is Coriel. Coriel is a former educator who managed to turn her $32,000 teaching salary into a six-figure brand. She is the chief experience officer of Work, Pray, Slay, an annual four-day empowerment, and her goal is to help women make everyday payday by developing a product or building a profitable program. With a passion for women and a pizzazz for entrepreneurship, Cole authored two self-development books for women, Work 101, Get Your Life Together Guide, and her sophomore project, which shares success secrets for fearless female entrepreneurs. Host a weekly podcast show called Confessions of a Workaholic and creates tribe-building travel experiences for women through her Busy at the Beach brand. She is an international speaker, award-winning entrepreneur, and educator who's been featured nationally by Forbes Magazine, Essence Magazine, The Huffington Post, The Time Journal Morning Show, XO Nicole, Rolling Out, NBC, TV One, VH1, Bravo TV, and more for her empowerment projects. Coriel is on a mission to help women uncover their purpose, prioritize their life, and profit from their passions. Her motto is, you have everything you need to get everything you want. You just have to work for it. Please welcome my guest, 
Coriel. All right, let's welcome my guest, Coriel, to the show. Coriel, thanks so much for joining us here on the Hardcore Leadership Podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Absolutely. You know, you go by the Empowerment Powerhouse. That's that's quite a uh, that's quite a, a title to have. And uh, you know, I, I want to talk about this journey you had from uh, being a, a former educator. And you went to uh, turning your your thirty two thousand dollar teaching salary into a six figure brand. Just really briefly, what was that journey like for you to go from there? Something that I, you know, even set an intention to do. I literally remember having a conversation with someone when I was still a classroom teacher, um, you know, talking about the fact that I was not interested in being a full time business owner. I always had like a side hustle going on, but I literally remember having a conversation telling someone, you know, being a business owner is too much responsibility. I wasn't interested in it. So the way that things have just naturally progressed for me, it, um, you know, has all been God led for sure because I did not set to set out to do any of this. So I actually exited from the classroom in 2011 after teaching second and third grade for four years. Um, in in 2011, I had well in 2010, I had ended an engagement and really was just at a place in my life where um, I wanted a fresh start. I wanted you know something new. I wanted to kind of reinvent myself, and so I had literally given up my job here in Atlanta, my teaching job to go teach overseas in Abu Dhabi. And um, about two weeks before I was supposed to leave, I had a real, real, like get real moment with myself and just had to be um, honest about why I was making this decision to leave the country, why I was, you know, running away, which is really what I was doing, trying to run away from the shame of ending this engagement and, and, and getting out of this relationship. And so it was that um, turning point where I could decide, you know, I can either go teach overseas, even though I know that this is not what I really want to do and I'm not going for the right reasons, or I could stay here and figure it out. And I decided to stay here, gave up that teaching contract um, to teach in Abu Dhabi. And that allowed me um, the freedom to really figure out what I wanted to do because I knew that teaching in the classroom was not for me anymore. And so um, it was quite a journey figuring out kind of where my passions lie and what my purpose was. Um, and I've, I've had several different projects and businesses and things that I've attempted to do. But um, the first brand, the Single Wives Club, was kind of that first entrepreneurial experiment that was successful for me. And so that was the brand that kind of put me on the map, so to speak, and created the platform for me to be able to do all of the things that I'm doing today. You know, uh, you know, when you, when you talk about you were about to leave for Abu Dhabi and you had this contract and then you just had this moment where you... Uh, decided that's that's not really what you want to do and you kind of had this epiphany you know many people go through that and and they feel like they have these epiphanies they feel like they have these uh, moments where they begin to question everything what was that single deciding factor that make you say okay you know what I'm not going to do this I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and go after my dreams the reason why I ask that is because so many people are struggling now as to which direction they should take. And so maybe your one decision may help somebody to better under understand themselves. 
You know what? It was really, um, I had a conversation with someone that I don't even know where I met this person. I don't think I ever had another conversation with this person ever again. But the one conversation that I did have that struck a chord and really made me get real with myself. Um, again, it was literally like, Abu Dhabi. I was telling them all about, you know, the research that I found out how amazing Abu Dhabi was going to be. And this one guy, again, I don't even know where I, where I met him. I don't think I ever saw him again after that. And I really believe, you know, um, in synchronicity and things happening for a reason. So this one conversation that I had with this guy whose name I can't even tell you is literally what that turning point was for me. And that conversation was different from the conversations that I had with everyone else about Abu Dhabi. Because to everybody else, that seemed so exciting. It was such a great idea. You know, everybody was telling me I was going to marry a prince. Like all of these crazy things that people would tell me when I said I was moving to Abu Dhabi. But this one guy said back to me, well, how much money could they possibly be paying you? Like, why would you want to uproot yourself? I had literally put my condo up for rent. I was selling all of my clothes. Like I was literally shedding everything for this new life. And he was not impressed. And he said, you know, like, what are, what are they paying you? Because if you're just going over there for the money, you can make that same amount of money here. Like, just think about the amount of money that we're talking about. We're not talking about life changing. You know, it's not like I had this million dollar contract. I was not going to be making that much more. I was going to be living for free, but I wasn't going to be making that much more. So if my motivation was just going for the money, then I needed to rethink that. And it was in that moment that I had to check myself, that I had to get real about what my intentions were, what I saw for myself, what I wanted my life to look like, and recognizing that this one decision could change all of that. And so um, what I like, the advice that I like to give to people is that you have to learn how to tune into yourself because we already have the answers, every single answer that we need before we even ask the question, we already have access to it. But a lot of times we are looking for a co-signer, we're looking for that outside validation and we're trusting the opinions of other people more than we trust ourselves. And so um, in that situation, I actually needed to have that conversation with someone to, to you know, make me check myself. Um, but I think just getting real about what my intentions were and what I saw, you know, for myself outside of what everybody else was trying to convince me was a good idea. You know, um, <clears throat> I'm sure that was a scary thing for you. I'm sure there was, there was times you, you, Look back and thought, just what in the heck am I doing here? I want to talk about that process of going from this stable um, system to now this shaky system where you really have to rely on your own blood, sweat, and tears, so to speak. You really have to rely on your own efforts. What was that like? I mean, there there are many misconceptions about starting your own business, being your own boss, getting out there on your own. You know, talk about the feelings you had and how you overcame that fear during that process. If you even had fear. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you were just so courageous you just jumped out there. So I can't say that I necessarily had fear because I didn't know what I was doing. If I had like this intention that I set to do this thing, then I probably would have talked myself out of it because I would have been afraid. But everything that I've done has been natural. It's literally been just me trying one thing. Either it works out 
um, you know, and I continue it or it doesn't work out and it teaches me a lesson and then I move on to the next. But every single part of my journey from the events that I, you know, do, do to the podcast that I have to the to the books that I've written, all of it has just been, okay, God, I, I, okay, I got it. You know, this is what I'll do next. But I don't have this you know, master plan of, okay, this is what year one looks like. This is year five. This is year 10. I never had that. So I couldn't really scare myself because I wasn't looking at some big major um, life-changing plan. But what I will say is it definitely was a hard transition. Um, Even though I was only making $32,000 and I was getting paid one time per month as a teacher, I was guaranteed that one paycheck. So it might not have lasted the full 30 days, but at least I knew that, you know, when the first rolled around, I was going to have, you know, another $2,800 or whatever in my bank account. Whereas stepping outside of that, having to rely on myself and, you know, my, my, you know, get my hustle on really truly in order to, you know, make ends meet, that was definitely, um, not scary because it it was what it was, you know, the bills had to get paid whether I was scared or not, but it was definitely challenging. It was very different. Um, Having, you know, a successful career takes a totally different mindset than building a successful business. You know, being excelling as an employee takes a totally different mindset than excelling as an entrepreneur. So there were definitely, you know, building blocks, growing pains, things that I had to, you know, really work through, things that I learned about myself through the experience. Um, At one point, you know, I literally had to make the decision whether or not I was going to prioritize my personal expenses or my business expenses. And um, about two and a half years in, I that same condo that I had rented out to move to Abu Dhabi, I ended up renting it out again and moved into my brother's basement so that I could, you know, cut down on my expenses so that I could invest in my business. So definitely has not been, you know, a smooth, easy road, but every single part, you know, was was necessary, a necessary part of the process because every struggle, you know, led to some type of success. Yeah, I, I think that's important because it's the journey that you get that you take along the way in order to be successful, in order to be your own boss, in order to to create your own brand. It's, it's about the journey that that you have along the way that many people give up and you feel like this is not for me. You, you give up and you feel like, you know, I, I don't think I'm called to do this. You give up and you say, well, maybe it's not meant for me to do it. Was there a point where you, you know, during the process of you written out of your place and going back to your brother's house, was there a point you, you began to, to doubt yourself and, and think, man, maybe I, maybe I made a mistake. Maybe I shouldn't have gone into this or, or, you know, were you just, you know, relentless all the way through and, and was like, regardless of if I even have those feelings, I'm not going to even think about it at all. You know what? Um, as crazy as this sounds, I never, ever, to this day, I have never doubted what I'm doing. I don't know um, where that knowingness or that faith, I don't know what it is. I don't know where that comes from. But in that moment where I had to make the decision to rent out my place, like when I was packing up my bags to move into the basement, which was the most um, humbling, I'll say humbling, experience that I've had, 
um, it, I really felt like God was asking me, how bad do I want it? And, and I had just this unshakable confidence that if you make it through this, it's going to work out. And I literally only ended up living, um, in that, in my brother's basement for maybe six months, you know, six to nine months. It wasn't that long of a time. It was still a struggle during those six to nine months, but the entire time, even before I made that move, I felt like God had already warned me or, you know, told me that if you get through this, I got something for you on the other side. So there has never been a moment, um, even though, you know, I, I started a business, sold a business, I have a new business in all of the things that I've done. There's never been a time where I say, you know what, maybe this entrepreneur thing isn't for me. Maybe I just need to go back and get this steady paycheck. There has not been one day that has gone by that I felt like I'm not doing what I'm meant to be doing. Good. And, and, and I want to make sure that somebody hears that who who could be going through something and, and you're going through a period along your way, along your journey, and, and you feel like, okay, um, maybe I shouldn't uh, have done this. Maybe I shouldn't have quit this job. Maybe I shouldn't have stepped out on faith. <laughs> I'm not telling you to quit your job. I'm telling you to go out there and, and fight for whatever it is you want and listen to yourself, listen to your, your conscience, listen to your God. If, if you are a believer and, and really get out there and fight for what you want, if whatever you want, be it a business, an organization, uh, a, a company, whatever you want, whatever you see, you've got to get out there and you have got to fight for it. It's not going to come easy. The journey is going to come with sacrifices and you must be willing to make those sacrifices if you want to see success and speaking of success, let me ask you this. What is success to you? What does success look like? You have these different brands. You have the work, pray, slay. You have the work magazine. You have the single wives club. What does success look like uh, to you at the end of the day? Or is it quantified uh, by the, maybe the event you're putting on, or is it quantified by, um, the exposure that, that you receive for these continual brands? What is, at the end of the day, what is success like for you? Success for me um, is freedom. So I, I live out my purpose in multiple different ways. You know, I have several different projects going on, but the one thing that I appreciate about all that I've been able to do is the freedom that I have. I've literally been able to build a brand based on the principles that I believe in, based on the things that I'm passionate about, based on the people that I want to help. And so having the freedom to every single day wake up and be able to make the decisions about how I spend my day, even though, you know, being an entrepreneur, I definitely still have to do things that I don't always want to do but I have the freedom to say, okay, I'm going to do this or I'm going to hire somebody to do this. I'm going to do this or I'm going to you know, pivot so that we can move in another direction. The freedom that I have to be able to work from anywhere in the world, to be able to you know, uh, wake up on my own schedule, as small as that's, you know, as small of a thing as that is, I can't even, um, like, I don't even know how I was able to wake up so early to get to school at 6.50 as a teacher. Like, I have no clue how I was able to do that. So for me, at this point in my life, success looks like the freedom that I'm able to have. Um, however, when I get married and have kids, you know, I'm sure my idea of success will start to change. But for where I am right now, um, success for me is freedom. Wonderful. Okay, so you talk about the fact of, of waking up and, and working on your own stuff and, and grinding. You know, there are many people who who don't understand that that uh, being an entrepreneur, it's a daily 
daily grind. Many people have these quote unquote hustles and they want to do things and they want to have that, that freedom that you just spoke of, but they don't really want to work for it. They don't really want to uh, make it happen every single day. What's a typical day like for you? I mean, you get up at what time? I, I would imagine, okay, you didn't want to get up early for, for school. So let's, let's say, let, let me just say, okay, uh, let me see, eight o'clock. Eight? Is that too late? You get up at five? What What is a typical day like for you? And what time do you start? What time do you end? And what does this, what does the map look like for your day? You know what? I don't have a typical. There's not a typical. There's not an average. Every single day looks different. So I literally try to do um, like blocking. I block each day. So, you know, Tuesday is my podcast day. Wednesday might be my email day where I create my content Thursday might be my day for myself. So there's not, you know, which is literally why I love entrepreneurship because every day does look different. Um, and, and the time that I wake up, even though I say I'm not, you know, an early person, um, I, I was up at seven today. And to me, that is like super. Early. Okay. If I can roll out and be started by 930, I'm good. But I really get my, like I get in my groove later in the in the evening. So even though I'm working the entire day, I'm really, really, really into it, like in grind mode at, you know, 7, 8 p.m. So every day looks different, which is a blessing. Um, but I am definitely not an early bird. Well, and, you know, the great thing about it is that you know yourself. And so you don't you don't try to fit into the mold of anybody else, which is great because some people may say, you know, seven is late. Some people may say seven is is early. It really all depends on what works for you and what works for, you know, the strategy you have in front of you and, and what works for, for the businesses and the opportunities you have. I think you have to make it work. I think anytime you try to pattern yourself after somebody else, not considering your own set of circumstances, I think you're setting yourself up for failure because, you know, as you say, you can get up at seven and and get good and rolling by nine, but somebody else they may get up at five, which I don't really uh, typically <laughs> of myself. I mean, five o'clock is it's quite early, you know. But you know, when you're a person who has no typical days, then it's kind of hard to to shut your brain off at eleven o'clock and 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 try to rest and or shut your brain off and and try to go to bed. Is there a point or, or a period? Will you ever do shut your brain off? I don't even know what that would look like. I don't even, the answer is no. Um, yeah, no. I'm, I'm getting inspiration <laughs> in my dreams for the work that I need to wake up and do. So there is no off. Um, but that's the, that's the beautiful thing about entrepreneurship. You can be inspired anywhere, um, you know, and I can work from anywhere. So that's a gift and a curse, you know, because I can work from anywhere. I typically am working from anywhere. I've never, you know, since I've been an entrepreneur, I've never been on a trip, a vacation or anything without my laptop. That sounds like amazing, but I don't think that that'll ever be possible. So for me, I have to say, no, it, it never turns off. Well, I think it's different because the work is not really work if you love what you do. And that's that's what most people miss out on. That, that if you you're doing something for you, and you love doing it, it's not really work. It's really more of 
an opportunity you get to have in life to do your own thing, to set your own boundaries, to to create your own freedom. So with all of that, exactly. with, with everything you have in front of you, everything that, that you are, are responsible for, one of the biggest questions I get as a busy person and, and trying to juggle multiple things is, how do you find balance? That is one thing that people are now finding a hard thing to do. There's not a perfect formula. If there were, then I'm sure somebody would have written it in the book and, and we would have all been able to sell out uh, Madison Square Garden if you could have that perfect formula. But to you, how do you find balance in the midst of every single thing you're doing? So I love this question. I don't necessarily have an answer, but I like asking people this question when I have them on my podcast because, you know, I feel like everybody wants to know how are you doing all of this? And one answer, my favorite answer that I've gotten that I, you know, repeat anytime somebody asks me is that balance, it does not exist for harmony. So in my opinion, harmony means things are flowing. Nothing has, you know, fallen on the floor. Things are still flowing, but everything is not in balance. I believe in prioritizing. So, you know, my priority for the day today looks a little bit different than it did yesterday, but that does not mean that I have to, or I'm expected to give every single thing the same amount of attention because that's just impossible. Um, And so I definitely say that I strive to prioritize, you know, for me right now, I'm getting ready for um, busy at the beach next week. So that is something that, you know, is taking a lot of my attention. I'm working on my next book. So that's a big priority. So as my projects change, my priorities change, um, but I don't really believe in balance. I think that if you are striving to give everything your equal attention, you're going to drive yourself crazy. You're going to stress yourself out and you're going to end up not accomplishing half of the things that you could if you just learn how to prioritize. That's, that's really great. There's a, a book out it's, and it's actually called Multitasking. And it talks about the fact that we try to multitask all the time. And, and, you know, when you go into interviews, when you talk to people, that's one of the selling points is I'm a great multitasker. But the reality is, if you're multitasking, if you're trying to do every single thing, a little bit of every single thing, then you're going to fail at something. And you can give the best effort when you can just focus on one thing at a time, knock that out, and then go on to something else. That's when you get the best results because you're only getting 60% of the items you have in front of you done most of the time if you're trying to, quote, unquote, multitask. And I think that's very good that, that you don't try to put a formula on balance. You just try to knock out the task at hand. I want to ask you about what are some of the um, misconceptions that that you have uh, had to confront or or have to confront uh, about having this freedom, having this finding this balance you have. What do, what are some of those things that that uh, people don't estimate along the way in the fight uh, for you to have this daily freedom that you have? I will say the biggest thing that um, the biggest misconception that I think people get from social media or I don't know where they get it from, but it's is that once you have accomplished your goal, like you have made it, you are you're set. Like once you've done this one thing, you can just chill, you can just relax. And that is one thousand percent inaccurate. You know, one there is no making it. There is no, you know, finish line. It's a 
daily thing. So once you check one thing off the list, you're on to the next. I wish, you know, there was like some secret to success. And it's like, once you got this secret, everything you touch turns to gold. That is not the case at all. There are still some things that the world will never see because, you know, it was trash, like something I thought was a good idea, but it was not. So there are definitely things that I do that don't work out. There are things that, you know, I create that are never released because they ended up not, you know, being the best idea or, you know, the price wasn't right. The whatever, you know, kept it from being released. Um, but I think that some people look at, you know, um, your success or your social media or whatever and think that, you know, life is just easy. It's just smooth sailing because you've accomplished X, Y, and Z. Then the next hundred things that are on your list are just going to come easy. And that is not the case. It's, you know, constantly learning, constantly investing, constantly figuring out ways to evolve yourself, your business, your brand. Um, so that is probably the biggest misconception that, you know, once you've made it, you're, you're there. Let me ask you this. Okay. So that is, there's very true. There is no there. Many people think that there feels differently. They feel like they, they think that once you have accomplished this quote unquote success of whatever you had in mind, once you make this amount of money, once you open this, this business, uh, once you stand on this platform, that there quote unquote uh, there is going to feel like you thought it was going to feel that, that you're going to have this, this feeling of, of um, splendor and you're going to have this feeling of, oh my God, everything is perfect. Everything is coming together. Everything is wonderful. But the reality is that there does not feel like you think it's going to feel because you could be there and not realize it because now it is the stress of maintaining it all. What does that sound right to you? Is that that's the stress of maintaining it. That's the stress of keeping it all going. And it may not be a bad stress, but that is the responsibility of now due diligence. What do you think about that? Um, and that is honestly the, the first time I experienced that um, disappointment was when I graduated college and started working as a teacher. So I had, I was one of those people that, you know, from the time I was a little girl, I knew I wanted to be a teacher. Like I was in the basement with my fake stuffed animal students. Like I knew this is what, you know, I was meant to do. And so after getting the good grades that I was thought that, you know, now I got this job, this is a lifelong dream. It's going to feel like I'm just on top of the world. And that was not the case at all. Reality smacked me in my face real quick. Um, and I think that a lot of people have that same experience with, you know, a lot of their goals. They think that once I accomplish X, Y, and Z, once I just do this one thing, my life is going to be better, or I'm finally going to be happy, or I'm finally going to be successful or whatever. And it, it's a sad reality when you realize, okay, I got this one thing. Now it's time for me to start working on the next. So I definitely think that um, there's that, that disappointment is really the only way that I can describe it because you have hyped yourself up to think about what it's going to feel like when you are in this position and then you get there and you still feel the same today that you did yesterday. It's like on your birthday, you don't feel, you know, a day older than you did yesterday. You just happen to be a day older because technically today's your birthday. It's the same exact feeling when you accomplish um, some of your goals. Now there are some big goals that, you know, when I, when I got that essence feature, you know, it felt real good. It felt just as good as I thought it was going to. Yeah. But there's other things that, you know, I accomplished that don't necessarily give me that um, that gratification that I was expecting. 
Yeah, and 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 I would imagine that that essence thing is is really great. And and you know, for those of you who are listening, I'm not telling you to don't celebrate the the small things. I'm I'm telling you to celebrate the small things, but just know that that sometimes you're in your efforts to make it to this certain plateau that you're not going to have this uh, illuminated feeling like you thought you would it, because you're, you'll be so busy in the moment, which is uh, another lesson to enjoy the moments that you have, enjoy the journey, enjoy where you're going. Let me ask you this, uh, Coriel, it, because you spoke about Essence and, and I was going there next. Uh, you were just recently at, at the Essence Festival uh, this year in New Orleans. And, and you've been on NBC, TV One, VH1, uh, Bravo TV, and you've, you've been in on the Tom Jordan Morning Show and, and, and all of these great accomplishments, you know, all the different periodicals from uh, Forbes Magazine and, and Black Enterprise. When you get ready to do a uh, interview or you get ready to stand on a platform, you get ready to uh, lights, camera, action, and that camera is now pointing at you. What are some things that you say to yourself? How do you talk to yourself? How do you, um, you know, uh, game plan or, or how do you, you uh, for lack of a better term, hype yourself up? What are some things I want to know? I want to go inside of your head and see how do you talk to yourself before you go out there on these major, major platforms? This is a really good question. Um, and way back when, when I first started the Single Wives Club and I was first starting to do these interviews and, you know, getting behind, in front of the camera and all this stuff, I had a conversation with one of my friends, uh, Rob Hill Sr. And back then he was speaking, you know, in front of thousands of people. And I was speaking in front of, you know, 10, 15, 20, 50 people. And I was nervous as heck. My voice would shake. Um, and the one thing that he told me, number one, he told me that he doesn't prepare, which is, is totally not me. Like, I'm a teacher. I got to have a lesson plan. So I couldn't take that advice from him. But the, the second part of what he told me um, is that he just says a prayer before he gets on the stage. And he asked God to make sure that at least one person's life is changed through what he has to say. And so literally that I, I stole that um, strategy from him and I've been using it ever since. And my hope is always that I just reach one person. You know, the, uh, it would be amazing if, you know, the whole room is into yeah. what I what I have to share. But as long as I have asked God, I've made that one request, God, just make sure just one person, that's all I need, just touch one person with my words. And that gives me just a, um, a feeling of uh, confidence and calmness that whatever I speak on this stage is literally going to be God speaking through me. So I don't have to worry about it. That's a great, that's a great philosophy that just have one person to be changed. One thing I like to tell speakers before they get up, uh, because people ask me, how do you get up and you, you speak and, and, you know, do you feel nervous or whatever? And I tell them, you know, there always is going to be this this tad bit of nervousness, and that's just because you respect the stage and you respect the craft and you honestly respect the audience and, and their time. And, and, and so you want to put your best foot forward. But I like to say it like this. If you are confident in the content, it doesn't matter how you feel. If you go up there and you give the content and you present it in such a way, then your confidence in the content will always override your nerves. Don't think about your nerves. Your nerves are going to be there. 
Uh, nervousness is, is going to come there. Fear is going to come. It doesn't matter how you feel. If you're confident in the content, you can override all of that and still shake a room, whether it's a room of 10 or a room of 10,000. Uh, Corey, I want to ask you this one last question, and thank you so much for being here on the Hardcore Leadership Podcast. We really appreciate your time. Uh, I want to ask you this. With everything you have going, with all of the great companies and all of the great brands you have, you look down the road, and, and this is going to be several, several years for you, but what is it that you would like your legacy to, to say of you? What is it that you would like your legacy to read as? Is it, have you given that thought? Is it, is it too early? Uh, or, you know, if, if you can say, you know, right now, this is what, what I want my legacy to be, what would that be? So my legacy, um, I definitely think is rooted in the education and the empowerment of women of color. Um, I don't know what that's going to look like. And I don't like to put God in a box, you know, in terms of what he has for me, because the, if you would have asked me this five years ago, there's no way that I would have been able to um, even fathom the things that I've been blessed to be able to do. Um, but what I do know, what I can say is that I have a heart for my people. And so, um, you know, every single day I'm thinking of ways, thinking of um, resources that I can provide to my community, ways that I can share my, my lessons learned. So I'm not sure what that legacy looks like fully, but I know that, you know, my ancestors are going to be proud with whatever it is. Yeah, if we can make them proud and, and you know, we have been able to, as a people, accomplish so much more than the preceding generations. I think it would be a shame if we did not, as you say, make our ancestors proud of the opportunities we now have in front of us. Uh, we as Black people, uh, you as a, as a Black female, there is so much strength behind you. Me as a Black male, there's so much strength behind me. But I think it... We have to do our parts every single day at making our ancestors proud, making our, our family members proud, and making our children, our grandchildren proud in the future that we do something today that our grandchildren will look back and say, boy, granddaddy, was a, he was a tough cookie. Grandmama, she really gave it all, and she was a force to be reckoned with. And I think that is the true legacy that we should all strive uh, to leave for um, past generations and future generations. Uh, Coriel, you do have an event coming up in October. It's your Work, Pray, Slay event um, in Atlanta. Uh, can you tell us more about that and how we can get information about that event? Yes, so this is our seventh annual Work, Pray, Slay weekend um, this October 31st through November 3rd here in ATL. It's four fun-filled days for millennial women of color who are ready to win. So it's all about um, empowerment and entrepreneurship. Um, I truly believe in helping develop well-rounded women. So women who know a little bit about a whole lot, we're gonna be covering everything from personal development, personal finance, entrepreneurship, um, health, wellness, you name it. We're talking about it at Work, Pray, Slay. And you can log on to workpraislay.com or Work, Pray, Slay on Instagram, and that's a work with an E. 
Okay, you you mentioned that, and uh, before we go, explain the concept behind the work with the E, please. I don't want anybody to miss that. So work, pray, um, slay. The work with an E is the effort and the energy that you dedicate to your own dreams. And so putting together work, pray, slay is like the three-part formula that I feel like you need to live a um, successful life. So the work is grounding yourself. I'm sorry, the work is um, dedicating your life to your dreams. The pray is grounding yourself in faith. And the slay is celebrating your success. So really empowering women to... um, incorporate all three into their lives. Ladies and gentlemen, if you do not know this phenomenal uh, powerhouse uh, of uh, Coriel, I think you would do yourself a a true uh, service by getting to know her more. You can go to her website. You can find her on Instagram. You can uh, listen to her podcast. I think you would do yourself a true justice in getting to know more about Coriel. She is a force to be reckoned with. She's becoming a real, true, uh, for lack of a better term, force in the black community and uh, for our sisters, for the entrepreneur, uh, for the entrepreneur out there, uh, for just the, the woman who wants to better herself. I think you would do yourself a true justice if you get to know Coriel. And if you're in the Atlanta area, maybe you're in South Africa, maybe you're in South America, maybe you're in South Dakota. You would do yourself a, a, a real big service by, by registering for her conference, uh, getting that small plane ticket and, and that, that airfare and uh, getting that hotel room and being a part of this uh, phenomenal event. And uh, Coriel, thank you so much for being here on the Horcore Leadership Podcast. It's, it's truly been an honor and uh, I'm just uh, privileged that, that you were able to come on the show. Thank you. This was fun. Thank you for having me. And I look forward to connecting um, with everybody at Work Presley. Absolutely. Everybody, until next time, take care and God bless.